Hey folks, thanks for joining us for this episode of the Restoration Project's weekly podcast. The Restoration Project is a cooperative Baptist fellowship church located in Salisbury, Maryland. We are taking a break from our latest sermon series. Enjoy this standalone episode. Thanks for listening. The text for this evening comes from Genesis 22, 1 through 19. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain, I will show you. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son, Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac, and he carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father Abraham, Father? Yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told them about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up and there in the thicket, he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and not have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies and through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Then Abraham returned to his servants and they set off together for Beersheba and Abraham stayed in Beersheba. The word of God for the people of God. Let's pray. God, we thank you for allowing us to gather in your church to hear your word tonight. I'm thankful for the people in these seats and all that they contribute to this church and this community. Lord, I pray that you will guide my words tonight and that it may be pleasing to you without mistake. It's in your name we pray. Amen. As a lot of you know, 
I'm in seminary. I'm in my ninth week of my second class. Only 18 more to go. <laughs> but I thought to myself, hey, let me teach on um, child sacrifice. That sounds like a really great idea. So much for that. Seriously, though, all summer, I've been taking an Old Testament class, and we've been assigned with completing a research essay on this passage. I figured I would uh, speak on what I've been engrossed in all summer. I know you're all envious. My first few, or should I say 20 read-throughs of Genesis 22, were through the lens of a 21st century American reader. Let me tell you, this passage has been a really tough one to absorb and to understand. I originally had such a difficult time understanding how in the world the God that I know would ask such a thing from one of his most devoted followers. When I read the text those first few times, this is all I could think of. I honestly couldn't fathom, one, losing any of my children at all, let alone at my own hands, and two, God commanding me to do such a thing. This is where I had to dig in deep and figure out the context of the passage. If you've been a part of the church in your lifetime, you've likely heard these stories. You see, Abraham was considered a faithful man of God. Abraham obeyed when God called. Genesis 12:1 says, the Lord had said to Abraham, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. Abraham left his home and set out as God had called him to do. Abraham and his wife, Sarah, had longed to have a child. They were both of very advanced age, and Sarah was unable to conceive. God promised them a son, and Isaac was born when Abraham was 100 years old. Abraham had been promised much, and he received those promises from God. He and Sarah were faithful. They trusted God implicitly and fully embraced the call of God. So we know that they were faithful, but that doesn't explain why God would ask such a thing of Abraham. So let's talk about sacrifice. A burnt offering is a form of sacrifice that was first described in the Hebrew Bible. Entirely burnt offerings were given as a tribute to God. Sacrificing animals showed that an individual feared God and it covered unintentional sin. It was commonplace in the ancient Near Eastern culture to offer sacrifices, animal sacrifices. Let's go back to Genesis 22 now. God wanted a high commitment from Abraham. What could possibly prove your love and obedience for God as much as being willing to sacrifice your long-awaited, promised miracle of a son? When God commanded Abraham to set off with the intention of sacrificing his son, Abraham didn't flinch. He responded by getting up early the next morning and loading up his donkey with enough wood for the burnt offering. He and Isaac and two of his servants journeyed for three days. Just imagine that. Three days with the child, with the son that you intend to sacrifice to prove your love to God. As a parent, I cannot imagine what was going through Abraham's head for those long 72 hours. Even as Isaac himself asks his father where the lamb for the burnt offering is, Abraham continues on ready to carry out God's command. They reach the place that God told him about and Abraham begins to build the altar. 
he arranges the wood, binds his son Isaac, and lays him on top of the wood. Again, imagine what Abraham must be feeling. The heartbreak, the confusion, the obedience for his God. He reaches out and takes the knife to kill his son when he's stopped by an angel of the Lord. The angel says, now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld me from your son, your only son. The relief and the sheer confusion for him must have been overwhelming. Abraham sees a ram in the thicket and sacrificed it instead of his own son. He is again told by God that because he has not withheld his son, he will be blessed and his descendants will be as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. All the nations on earth will be blessed because he obeyed God. Biblical scholar Walter Brueggemann sums it up for me when he writes of God's promise. The threat and the possibility articulated in the narrative of Abraham and Sarah put a crisis before humanity. It is a crisis of deciding to live either for the promise and so disengaging from the present barren way of things or to live against the promise, holding on grimly to the present ordering of life. Faith in God's promise is a possibility which the world sees as scandalous. The world will do what it can to eliminate the promise and to crush the impossible possibility with ideologies of conformity, oppression, the good life, self-realization. The promise jeopardizes everything the world holds dear. But for all of that, Sarah and the community of Abraham have the last laugh. It is that laugh which is the ground for this ludicrous storytelling, which is both our deepest threat and our best hope. Earlier in the book, in Genesis 15, 9 through 11 and 17, the covenant that God gives Abraham is simply a promise. It's a commitment of free grace. The promise and covenant offered to Abraham is free and unconditional. All he needs is trust. God promises to make Abraham the father of all nations to multiply his descendants, even though his wife is barren. Trust, faith, and obedience is all that's required. Sound familiar? This is what God asks of us today. We need only to have faith and trust that his son, his only son, Jesus, has the redemptive power to change lives. It's difficult to read this passage without seeing parallels of what God did for us when he sacrificed his son, his only son, for our sin. His son, or his son, his only son, is written nine different times in verses 1 through 19. In verse 6, Isaac unknowingly carries the wood necessary for his own death, just as Jesus did. Just as Isaac was to be the innocent lamb of slaughter, such is the case with Jesus. Jesus, pure and without sin, was the sacrifice that God gave for us to wash away all our sins. I think by having that knowledge of Genesis 22, we can greater appreciate the ultimate gift that we've been given. I am physical proof of a changed life. I was brought up in a home where we went to church. I went to youth group. I went through all the motions, but my actions didn't line up with that. 
I spent all of my high school years and some of my college ones making really dumb choices. I chose to live against the promise. Fast forward a few years, and my mom becomes diagnosed with ALS, or Lou Gehrig's disease. There's nothing like a terminal diagnosis of someone that you love to begin questioning and needing God. This was the turning point in my life with God. All those years, through all the subpar decisions, he never left me. I made a fresh commitment to the God of Abraham, the God who sacrificed his son to give me life. The way that I live out this new covenant or promise from God is unique to me. We all live out God's new covenant in different ways, and I can only speak to how I have chosen to do it. I try to wake up each day thankful to see another day. I realize how fragile life is and how it can change on a dime. I try to thank God for another day when I awaken. It means I try to be the best mom I can be. Am I the best mom? Absolutely not. I make mistakes every single day. I struggle with mom guilt. When I'm at work, I think of my kids, and when I'm home, I worry that I'm not doing enough at work. I try to provide a steady, consistent life post-fire. I try to build back the sense of security that we used to have. I fight for my kids. Three tiny humans have grown into three amazing people. You may have heard the saying before that you're only as happy as your saddest child is, and that really sums it up for me. I will always fight for what's right for them all the days of my life. I try to honor God's covenant by being a supportive, loving wife. After 21 years of marriage, we still need each other, whether it's through the mundane daily decision-making or the life-altering events that make you crumble to your knees. Sometimes, especially in these last nine months, honoring God means getting out of bed when every fiber of my being says to stay put. It means listening to God's call. It means starting seminary at age 45, working a full-time job, parenting, and trying to create a life of normalcy after the fire. Here's a confession for you. I didn't want to put it out there that I was embarking on this new adventure because I was very afraid of failure. Fear that I'm not smart enough, fear that I couldn't do it, fear that I would find it too difficult and drop out, fear that I wouldn't be able to concentrate. But here I am, learning stuff, preaching. And if you had told me a year ago that I'd be standing here, I would have laughed you out of the room. <laughs> but I'm trying to be faithful, and I believe that this is where God wants me right now. It means helping kids, kids who can't speak for themselves and don't have anyone in their life to advocate for them. Whether it's in my interactions with my students each day or in the relationships I've formed with the kids at the garden, I try to be there for the underdog. It's recognizing racial injustices around me and trying to do something about it. It's serving in this community of the Restoration Project through my time and my actions because I believe in what we're doing here. Please don't misunderstand what I'm about to say. 
People say all the time that I should slow it down or take things off my schedule or give up this or that. But this is me living out my covenant with God. I have chosen to trust, to have faith, and to believe in this God of mine, of ours. We all live out our covenant differently. Maybe as a college student, you vow to give school your all. Maybe it's being involved in a campus ministry or the local church. Maybe as a person in your 20s, you commit to including God in your daily life decisions, giving it the best that you can at your job, being a good friend. As a married couple, it's honoring your spouse in the mundane things that each day presents itself with or supporting each other in your endeavors as a parent. Especially of young kids, it's getting out of bed at 6 a.m. when all you want is another 10 minutes of sleep and a nice, strong, hot cup of coffee. It's going to work even when all you want in the world is to be at home with the kids. It's lighting up each and every time you see your kids' faces because you never imagined that you could love so fiercely. As older adults, it's trying to be a good daughter or son or sibling and friend. Each day holds its own set of challenges, but we plug on because we, like Abraham, are chosen children of God. Our very existence proves that. I'm forever grateful to God that he has chosen me to be in covenant with. If you've never made the commitment to trust God and follow him, it's never too late. That's the beauty of God and his promise to us. He loves us implicitly, just like Abraham loved his son, Isaac, and God loved his son, his one and only son, Jesus. If you're a committed Christian, perhaps you take the opportunity to reassess how you're living out God's covenant. Are you listening for his call? Are you living out that call? It's never late to make changes. Let's pray. Holy, gracious God, we thank you for this life that you've given us. We thank you even for this day that you've provided us. We are grateful for the promise that you gave Abraham so many years ago and the promise that continues with us in year 2018. We thank you for the opportunity to live out this promise through our thoughts and our actions. We each have a unique way of doing this, of living out your will for our lives. I thank you for your ultimate sacrifice, for giving your son, your only son, for the forgiveness of our sins. We don't deserve it, never did, and never will, but you continue to love us so well. Whether it feels like it in the moment or not, you never forget about us through dumb decisions and all. God, help us to hear your call, your will for our lives. Help us to wake up each day and live out our covenant with you in our own unique way. It's in your precious son's name that we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening. We invite you to join us in Salisbury for one of our weekly services on Sunday evenings at 5.30 p.m. Whatever your story, there's room for you here.
Again, if you'd like more information, please visit our website at restoresby.org. See you next week.